Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes! 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 Anyone fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam! I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Sunday on the Mighty 3 Triple RFM. You're listening to Eat It. And I'm Cam. And across from me, we've got... Virtually across from you, it's Matt Stebbin here. Hello, Cam. Hello, everyone. We're on the road again this week. We're making a habit of it. Yeah, we're not going to make a habit of this, but no. uh, we've got to make hay while the sun shines, shall we say. Yeah, as, as obviously COVID looms, relooms. In Back the, over, we're not even going to go into it, just the various COVID horribleness around the country. We're going to distract you, is our yeah. point. Yeah, Matt, yeah we, we were talking about this before and we thought, look, why don't we just have an hour where we can just uh, chill out and talk about food and things like that. Uh, but before we do go on, yes. we have to acknowledge something and... Uh, well, we were talking about this last week, but it was it was a bit raw, wasn't it, Matt? It really was. It feels like there's been a little death in the family. It, there certainly has, and we speak, of course, uh, the the closing of what can only be described as a glorious Melbourne institution. I'm speaking, of course, of Madame Brussels. Yes. Opened uh, 15 years ago. A wonderful yep. space. Probably, uh, possibly... One of the very, very first rooftop bars in Melbourne. Yes, top end of Burke Street. Um, yes. Most people have been there. I loved it enough. We got married there. Uh, we've had some very, very big days at Madame Brussels under the tutelage of Paula Scholes, Miss Pearls, who's been the host from day one. Um, and it's been a really, really tough week, obviously, for them. Now, obviously, there's there's many you know venues going through very tough times in Melbourne and surrounds but this particular yes. one was very special to us so uh and is very special to us for the next couple of weeks so it's very very sad news to hear of its closing uh due to economic conditions and covid and all the rest of it um it's it's horrible it is horrible and yeah and i remember very very fondly a wonderful surprise birthday party at that venue just a few weeks ago which yes. was a, an amazing thing but we have to raise our glass and toast one of uh, the great patrons, the great hostesses, the a great personality, Miss um, Pearls, yep. and um, and toast her because Pearls does stuff with such panache, um, with such style. Yep. And uh, well, let's face it, a, a certain amount of naughtiness. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I, often I say to you, one of the greatest compliments you can give a venue is it's got soul. Yes. It's got, which I don't even know how to describe that. It's, it's not, you know, it's not architecture. It's not, it's not, it's service. It's everything. It's just, but, uh, uh, you know, Madame Brussels has it in absolute spades. Always one of the first places you'd take a tourist who'd never been to Melbourne. You'd go get a load of this yes. place. Yeah. It, uh, it, it was a wonderful place to show off this city. Yes. Especially on a sunny day. Yeah. You're and you're going to miss it. And also a testament to um, Pearls' ability to train her staff because, um, let's face it, I mean, this was the legacy um, through Pearls back to Vernon Chalker, yes. if we look at that, because um, Vernon's ethos was all about great service. And, of course, um, 
those that might not know, um, we'd have to say that Pearls and Vernon were not only business partners, but incredible soulmates. And, um, and both of them brought that great service and training. And mm. Pearls once said to me that she saw, um, and still does, mm. uh, sees her role as training her staff akin to attending a finishing school because she would mould them and make them into better people. Yeah, uh, better people, and uh, and no doubt she will keep doing that. Yes, um, you know we don't want to say that's the end, but we have to say we 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 lift our. If we had a drink in our hand, we would lift them up and uh, and say, "Here's to you, pearls, um, to a great venue." And we're very very sad to see that it's um, come to an end. <laughs> yes, well said. Yes. Um, I thought maybe we might do a a little bit of uh, what's that in your mouth? mouth? Yeah, not it was bad. Difficult no. over the over the video thing. Anyway, it, we got there. It what's is. that in your mouth, Cameron? What is it? Well, um, I haven't really been going out that much, so I can't really say that uh, uh, I've done that much eating out. Although I did have some beautiful food at the Builders Arms when I was doing my trivia night. Uh, the other night, that's one of the great joys that I have, as well as doing trivia every month when we're not locked down. Um, but I also get to enjoy the the beautiful food there. But I've been doing a little bit of pasta at home. Um, mm. yeah, it's getting back to that um, that previous lockdown where I've gained quite a few kilos <laughs> doing pasta. So this is something I have to flirt with, but uh, not embrace entirely. But one of these pastas I just adore because um, I got right into doing cacio e pepe and uh, I was watching Alex, the French food guy that we had on last week, yes. and he inspired me to do that. And one of the, the great Roman dishes that you can do that's a bit like a cacio e pepe, which mm. is just three things. It's pasta, it's parmesan and pepper. Um, pasta alegrice is the same thing, but it has pancetta in it Ooh. as well and oh my god it is um it's so tasty if you want to um look up how to do a really really good cacio pepe i'd say to you go to uh, alex the french food guy because i gotta say he kind of shows up the italians a little bit <laughs> shh, shh. Yeah, i know i know sorry sorry Lock the uh, doors <laughs> That was the Melbourneese with a shudder that went through them. Um, the other pasta dish that I did the other day, which sounds a lot more fancier than it is, is this spaghetti con salsicce diablo, which sounds pretty yes. good, doesn't it, Matty? What, what is it? What is it? Uh, well, Matt, it's uh, spaghetti with uh, a pork sausage, that's a pork and fennel sausage uh, that's mixed through it. Uh, a few little peas because they look kind of cute in there, and um, a whole bunch of chili. <laughs> that's the what's, Diablo what's, part. Oh, that's the so. What's the fancy spaghetti con uh, salsicci? Which is just uh, that's just uh, I probably pronounced it wrong. And again, I, I apologize, Melbourneese. God, I'm doing. I do that a lot to Italians. I'm always <laughs> apologizing. Uh, that's sausage in uh, in uh, Italiano, and. Um, yeah, look, the other thing that I mm. have been doing um, is uh, just as comfort food and also as just a, a really beautiful winter, warmer kind of thing mm. is making congee. Oh, you see, you've mentioned this a few times over the last 12 months. Mm. What is congee for those who haven't joined the congee party? It's like a – I'm not um, going to say, you see. It's 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 like a, a, a Chinese porridge, I guess, would be mm. one to put it, where you get, uh, in this case, chicken stock, mm -hmm. um, rice, and you cook the rice, and you cook the rice, and you cook the rice. It's not, we don't want al dente, no. Uh, well, I'm waving my finger here in an Italian way. But that's one of the differences between that and, say, a risotto, obviously very different flavours, but the texture of the rice is softer in a congee. Well, actually, it's um, it, you cook the rice out so much that it dissolves into the liquid oh, and just becomes okay. a starch. And mm -hmm. the joy in it is actually dressing it. And I've been putting, um, like, you know, shiitake mushrooms and a little bit of chicken in there as well and uh, tofu skins, which are really, Ooh. really good in there and lots of spring onions. And uh, that's another dish that if you – it's not in your repertoire – um, I would say please do because 
the great thing about Congi mm. is uh, the fact uh, that it is very, very good for you and very, very soothing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, it's, come to, it's come to my attention. We haven't told everyone what's on the show yet. Should oh, we whip yeah. through that in the next couple of minutes? I think that'd be a, a wonderful idea. Mm. Um, working forward, we were talking um, at length about kitchen gadgets and whether or not there is such a thing as a really valid gadget that and lives in the third drawer of your of your kitchen, right? And we did spend a bit of time even defining what a gadget was, but we got there. You're talking something that's in your kitchen drawer, not an appliance. Yeah, not a single usage appliance like a uh, right. rice cooker is not a gadget. Right. All right. Even though okay. It's just a, a single uh, a, a pie cooker, electric pie cooker is not a gadget. Ridiculous, but anyway, it's <laughs> that's another thing. Um, but um, I went off to Chef's Hat. Yes. In uh, beautiful downtown South Melbourne, mm-hmm. and uh, where I chatted with Mohammed, mm-hmm. uh, which was uh, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They were very, very generous with their time. And we just went around the store and just grabbed a whole bunch of stuff, and then we just looked at them and said, is this a good thing? Is that a good thing? And at the mm-hmm. end, it was sort of like your desert island gadget. Um, <laughs> What what gadget are you going to take to a desert island? I can't so, think how many how many times on this radio station desert island discs have been discussed. This is the first time I'm aware of desert island gadgets. But tune in, folks, and you'll find out. Thank you, what- man. Uh, I'm glad you appreciated that uh, that subtle reference. And uh, one of the great friends of uh, Eaters, Nikki Rima, down there at Bellotto Wine Bar. Is that what Bellotta. it's called? We'll call it Bellotta. Yeah, Bellotta. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she very kindly uh, allowed me to come inside the kitchen where um, uh, the other staff weren't really all that happy because we had to turn the fans off to do a recording. Um, that wasn't that long. And um, she cooked a beautiful dish, uh, this beautiful agrodolce mm-hmm. sardine dish. And we talked mm-hmm. about the fact that um, sardines are probably one of the cheapest fish proteins you can get. Yes. Um, very flavorful, very, very good for you. And it was awesome to catch up with her. And the best thing was I got to actually eat the dish afterwards with a, a rather incredible glass of wine, which was another little bonus. So, yeah, that's the show uh, for today. And Stay tuned, folks. Ignore what's going on in the world as it slowly proceeds into uh, whatever we thought it was last year. Yeah, my uh, God. Hopefully we can cheer you up a bit. And, um, yeah, we'll be back with both of those segments uh, after these sponsorship messages. Triple R. Kitchen gadgets, ladies and gentlemen. Some are indispensable. Some are valid, we might say. And some are just useless and a waste of space and shouldn't be even considered to darken or be dark in the third drawer down. Uh, I'm at Chef's Hat in Cecil Street, South Melbourne. I'm lucky enough to be in the boardroom, a place I've never been in, which is uh, rather nice. And I'm here with Mohammed, who has uh, agreed to delve into this subject. Mohammed, a very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Lovely to meet you. Same. Thank you, Cam, for having me. Pleasure to do this. Mohammed, both of us have wandered through this marvellous shop of all sorts of gadgets and uh, each of us have grabbed some things, yeah? Yep, correct. So we picked, you know, our favourite things or maybe not so favourite things. Yep. So, yeah, we can just, I guess, talk about the ones that we like and not like. Yeah, well, that, oh, that's that's the idea. So, yeah, there they are. You can hear that we've got a whole bunch of, uh, of things. How about I start this with the absolute essential that you would just think you're crazy not to have in the kitchen. I noticed you got one, I got one, a thing that changed the world, the microplane. Would you like to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. A microplane is probably one of my go-to things I have in the drawer all the time. Um, It's an American-made sort of a zester, like a fine zester or grater. So it's quite handy to lemon zesting, etc., but also for your parmesan cheeses and ginger, anything that you want to grate on finely. Saves you from chopping and not getting it too fine. This does the hard work for you. So, yeah. Garlic. 
And garlic as well, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Anything you want finely minced, um, yes. you can just rub on top of this and it'll come out nice. I would say that you should have a couple of uh, microplanes in your in your third drawer. What have you picked there? Oh, you've got a. They must be popular because you've got an th- anti theft device on this yeah, one. Yeah, they are popular. Like I said, they're American made, so they are, they are built to last, so they can yeah. um, sort of walk out the door. Yes. Um, like you said, yep, definitely should have a couple of different ones in different sort of fineness. So a yeah. fine one, like we discussed for your cheeses and interesting, but also a coarse one. We can do sort of julienne, like carrots and. Uh, radish, etc. Yep. So yeah, two different coarseness, maybe even three if you want a medium, if you're cooking many, many different things. But yes, yeah, definitely a must-have. You've got to have a microplane. One thing I have noticed in the past is uh, this is the American microplane. It's surrounded by metal. There was one that was around that had obviously the metal blade to do that and a handle, but it had a nylon clear plastic um, surround on it this will fail within time. So within one or two years, it'll just crack and break and there will be tears. Exactly. So a lot of times if you buy sort of a cheaper alternative, like you said, the structural integrity of how it's put together, it might collapse over time. But also your um, blades, the edge won't hold for that long, so you'll get blunt quickly. Whereas these um, blades made in America, they're quite sharp, so you can keep using them. It won't go as blunt as quickly. And apart from that, they are built to last. So you can put a lot of pressure while you're sort of zesting, and it won't break or buckle. All right, so this is one of those things to spend a little bit more uh, at the beginning, and uh, it will reward you for many, many times. Okay, we're going to put that to the side. Well, to carry on from that, in the same section, we have another very important thing to have in the kitchen is uh, Japanese uh, mandolin. Ben Reiner is probably the best in market, very popular brand. And the reason to have these, once again, when you're slicing onions, if you want to make sure they're all evenly sliced, or if you're julienning something, if you want the sizes to come out evenly, yes. it just makes it easy and it's, it'll always come out perfect. There are, once again, quite a few mandolin brands. The reason I picked the Japanese one is the blades are quite sharp. So once again, it'll hold its edge longer. And also, you can change the blades. So once your blade is blunt, we sell replacements instead of replacing oh, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. It's detachable. You just change that. So you're reducing your waste as yes. well. Yeah, so that's important. And to honest to go with that actually this look <laughs> I, I yes i sell this religiously with every um sort of mandolin but also with um, <laughs> microplanes and the reason is i've seen my own mum. my mum loves her um, she's had a mandolin for the last 20 odd years yes. and um, they come with a little plastic hat where you put the vegetable in to slice but they're not very ergonomic and Most, no one ever uses exactly. them exactly yes. no one uses them and they yes. use their fingers and they're so sharp that you can slice your fingers quite easily yes. so having a cut resistant glove just means you can hold the vegetable properly as ergonomic but also you'll save your fingers i have witnessed um in a commercial kitchen where there was a kitchen hand who was a bass player do you know where this is going and this poor old bass player was doing something and sliced the top of his fingers off and oh there was screams and tears and it, it wasn't a good moment so what are these so these are the master pro cut resistant glove one size fits most. Oh, there we go. There's a nice disclaimer on there. So this isn't like the chainmail gloves that you can get. No, the chain ones are more for butchers, so that's yeah. when you're trying to chop something. They'll save yeah. you. This won't save you if you're uh, going with a cleaver. Uh, it'll still chop your finger off. <laughs> but if you just sort of... <laughs> but this will still save you when you're going really high speeds on a mandolin or a microplane. Okay. It's just that fine, sharp like cut that you get. It'll stop it. Yeah. Um, microplane also make another version of them as well which um, is, uh, they come as one, this comes as a pair. So, okay. yep. Good to keep grandma's hands safe. Okay, so we'll do that. What's the sort of roundabout cost of a Japanese mandolin? Uh, they start at roughly about $79, and yeah. then they move their way up. The, um, they have a few versions. There's wider ones for your wider vegetables, which are a little bit more expensive. Um, some have a little catch box in the bottom, but you can always just have a little mixing bowl and drops into that. This is the one that you really, really want. So the Ben Reiner Japanese mandolin we both both of us agreed valid okay to the side here i'm going to just so that we're not all going valid 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 i'm going to show one of the ones which i think is just ridiculous and um, should be avoided at all costs the avocado slicer um, i've always thought was just 
crap. This is taking it to the extreme. Do you want to describe this for us, Mohammed? It's actually called an Avoshark. Avo so. The Avoshark. The marketing department have got involved in this one, haven't they? Correct. And they've, um, they've designed it to look like a shark a little bit, but they've put a sheet on it with yeah. a little fin to make it more like a shark. Yeah. Um, one of these things, it's an Australian design. It's, it's something which, if, you're avo- if you have avocado all the time, you could use, but seeing that it's... It's not something you'd need because a knife would do the same job. And a spoon. So you, you cut the avocado in half, you use a cook's knife to get the seed out, twist, use your thumb, just put it into the bin, then get your large spoon, take off the flesh from the rest of it. Look, what am I saying? Everyone's nodding their heads at home going, yeah, that's right. Exactly. And so, you and I have all, you know, have avocados at home and that's how yeah. easy it is. But I guess if you really want a specific tool just for your avocado, you could get one. But, yeah, it wouldn't be important, really. They claim that they have an award-winning design. They don't actually say who awarded it, exactly, but anyway. Yeah. So the Avo Shark, nah, sorry. You want to pick what's your next? Um, to pick one which... What about the Herb Zipper? Nah. Exactly. So... Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so what this does is a plain pair of scissors will cut once. This yeah. has three... Uh, blades. Oh, only three. I've seen some with four. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it just means you can chop your herbs um, maybe three times as fast. <laughs> but one way to do that is just fold it in three and then you can cut through it and it'll just cut it in three times as quick anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's what God invented knives for too. Exactly. You can chop with a knife. So yeah. once again, when uh, I first mentioned this uh, to my mom, saying, Mom, you use a lot of herbs. Can I buy this for you? And she just laughed, saying, why would I need that? I've got my knife. So... Okay, I'm going to give one thing that maybe it might be good for. If you use a lot of very delicate chives, the chives is a very hollow thing and it's quite fragile. And if you have a knife that isn't perfectly razor sharp, you might start to crush them. I don't know, maybe if you're in an omelette factory and you have to garnish with a lot of chives, that would be the only reason. Otherwise, let's put it in the nut pile. Okay. What's next? Maybe let's find something that we do like. One thing, going back to the blades, yeah. every kitchen should have them. I personally can't live without them, is my little Victronox knives. A little, a little office knife is what we'd call this, yeah? Yeah, exactly. We are office knife, barring knife. Now, the advantage of these is um, they're quite small and handy, yeah. relatively inexpensive, Cheap. Yeah, yeah, like $10, $12, and um, they hold their edge a long time, so it'll just keep going and going and going. Okay. It won't get blunt that quickly. Yes. And a lot of times we have our main kitchen knife, which is like 20 to 25 centimeters, but if you're just cutting an apple or if you're just tr- trying to do something small, there's no point getting that knife out. Just get something like this, easy to work with. Um, two variations to have. One is serrated, yes. which is great for tomatoes. If you're cutting tomatoes, this is the easiest way. It'll cut through the skin quite nicely. And then just a straight-edged one so you can do everything else, like cutting apples, etc. Okay, I'm going to be a little bit contrary here mm-hmm. in that I agree with you with this one, this little office knife, the Victor Inox, with a straight knife, straight mm-hmm. blade, which I think is great. Can I just say, um, from a personal point of view, serrated knives scare the shit out of me. Why? Because have you ever cut yourself with a serrated knife? I don't believe I have, no. Okay, because if you cut, if you're unfortunate enough to cut yourself, first of all, A, but if you cut yourself with a straight blade, it's just a straight cut. Yeah. A serrated knife is more painful, more blood, um, and I've heard terrible horror stories, which I won't say, but I have a bread knife, which is a serrated blade, but otherwise. I avoid them because they really hurt when you when you cut yourself with a serrated knife from uh, from experience. Yeah, I can imagine that actually because uh, yeah. it it won't be a clean cut. It's, it's yeah, nasty. Yeah, it won't be a clean cut. Yeah, that's always a danger with sharp things. Once again, that's why you might be able to use that glove that we have, the cut resistant glove, while you're using a serrated knife. And okay, um, so we're saying an office knife. Yep. Serrated, we could argue about that. Now, Simon, who was in here before, he was raving about this thing looks like a real gadget. It's called the Hackett. It's designed in Norway. Do you want me to have a go at describing it? Yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, and then you can tell me whether I've done it right and you can add to it. So it's made from a very, very sturdy, hard plastic. It stands up... 
it is like a potato masher, but instead of um, flat with sort of holes in it, it's sort of a thing that looks like if I was going to throw a dart, it's like it has fins, but the thin part, which is six of them, is the thing that becomes the, the thing that will chop, it will mash. Uh, what does they say? Chop it, crush it, smash it, mix it. Simon was raving about this, wasn't he? Yep, exactly. Now, this is super... Um, Can you add to the description? Is there anything I've sort of missed out that no, is... you've done well, actually. It's a hard thing to describe because it's such a unique-looking product. Yes. It's different to any other masher you've seen. Yes. But it definitely works well. So you can use it even for minced meats, um, vegetables, yeah. anything you want to crush up, mash up. Um, and the, uh, another advantage of it is it's heat-resistant. Yes, I was going to say, yes. Yep. Well, well. So while you're cooking, you can do it in there. Simon also mentioned when he's making his porridge, he uses it, so... A spurtle. He said it replaces a spurtle. And I was going to say, mate, 10 points for knowing what a spurtle is. Yeah, well, I didn't know what that was till just now. What's the retail on this thing? Uh, probably uh, a good question. About $20, I believe, roughly, probably under. So. He, he was raving about it, though, yeah. so, and uh, so it forced me to reassess it. So so what's this called again? It's called the Hackett, and uh, it's valid. So that goes into the valid pile. Okay, what a silicon, just in general. Let's talk about silicon. Yep, so silicon is um, high heat resistant, um, and also you can't get um, any sort of uh, bacteria or anything into it as well. So, one good use. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, exactly, okay. so it's resistant to that. So, for example, if you're using wooden utensils uh, while cooking, if you don't clean it properly over time, it can deteriorate or there can be sort of. Uh, uh, bacteria, etc., that can get stuck onto it. Uh-huh. Whereas if you use um, what I have here is, for example, a flat um, blade. Spatula. Spatula and yeah. a spoon spatula. Yes. But they're b- both made of um, high heat-resistant uh, silicon, which means you can leave it in the pot while you're stirring or cooking with it. Um, so it won't affect it, but also it just means you'll get longevity out of it. You won't have to uh, worry about it deteriorating over time and throwing it away. Yep. The advantage of this, which before I used one, I didn't think how important it is, is the flat blade actually has one, one edge flat and the other edge a bit rounded. Yeah. So depending on your pot, if it's rounded, you can get to the edge, scraping the edge off. It just makes it so much easier than trying to get into that nook and cranny. So yeah. I would say absolutely an imperative thing to have in the kitchen because uh, if you've ever tried to clean out a pot before with a wooden spoon, it's always a bloody mess. But when you have one of these spatulas with silicon, you go... And you go... It's kind of nice because everything has come out of the pot. So uh, that is great. Also, Simon recommended a range of these things which are in bright colours... Uh, that also have um, like a not a cranked handle, but a cranked offset sort of handle. I think yeah, it's like an offset handle, which just means it sits on itself and and doesn't. If you put it down, it's not going to get the counter uh, messy. So silicon, an absolute must. Um, and I've got the silicon basting brush, which is another one which is good. How about this one, the Trade Flame Pro Heat Blowtorch Kit? Every kitchen should have a blowtorch, or am I just being a bloke who's a bit of a pyro? Um, no, well, it's an exciting gadget to use, to be yeah. honest, as a bed. Like, I remember <sighs> when I was a kid, I used to always f- uh, have fun um, using a de- kind of deodorant with a little flame. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, is like a more refined version of that, but no, it's... Um, yes, and it has nice gas, and you're not going to put um, uh, Rexona, uh, exactly. I don't know, musk on the food, which is probably not a good exactly. thing. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so th- this has been growing in popularity just because it's uh, more and more commercial kitchens are using it and uh, it's appeared on TV shows and people come in asking for it. Quite handy to finish off like a creme brulee, etc., which is traditionally what they use it for. Well, that was almost what it was known as in the beginning. It was the creme brulee torch. Exactly. But now more and more people are doing it, uh, using it for um, cooking off steaks, charring something. So if you cook some vegetables and you want to char it, you can char it with this. Or if you want to finish off a piece of meat, you can char char it with this as well. Um, Also, if you're cooking small pieces of fish, for example, uh, in uh, like uh, sashimi style cooking or Japanese style cooking, you can can just quickly cook the fish, thin slices of fish with this. Yeah. Yep. So it just um, gets you uh, quick results because it's just high heat cooking. I got one more thing, Mohammed. It melts cheese. It would melt cheese. Yeah, yeah really, 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 really well. Yeah. Okay. So the, the um, you should have a, a blowtorch kick. That's that is valid. Um, salad spinner. 
salad spinner. Can I be honest? I don't have one, but every, every time I want to make a salad, I miss it because my salads come out wet and I have to either keep shaking and shaking, which does not work, and my salad comes out soggy. So if you want to avoid a soggy salad, you must have one because yeah. all your leaves will come out dry. Yeah, because there was that whole thing about we emulsify sauces because we need to mix oil and water, but if you have water on your lettuce... The dressing's got nowhere to stick to. And I would say a salad spinner. It's the sound of it going around. This is an OXO one, isn't it? Yeah, this is a bit uptown. You can spend a lot of money on these, over $100. Or you can go to um, uh, uh, get a cheaper one, which is just as good. Exactly, yeah. It now, m- might not feel as nice to use. Exactly. So if yeah. you're using it at home and you're not using it a lot, we That's do have studio. ones which, have, which are about $20. Yeah. And then as you uh, pay more, you just... Um, becomes more ergonomic or just more heavy duty. So yeah. if you plan to use it quite often, you just spend a little bit more, it lasts you longer. Even got a stopping button yeah, on that. Great, yeah. This one's nice. I've got um, salad spinner envy because I definitely have a very, very cheap one. As well as silicon, uh, is this worth talking? The silicon bowl scraper. Well, do we really need one of these? Because we've already got um, our spatulas, don't we? Yep, exactly. But at the same time, if you're baking a lot, yeah. any baker must have it. So yeah, I personally true. don't bake a lot, but bakers love it because just getting that last bit out from the corners of your trays, etc., it comes in handy for sure. Yep. Um, all right. Um, I pulled out... Did I pull out the potato ricer? Yeah, well, this is this is an alternative to the, the hackett, I think it is. For me, okay, this is like a... If you haven't seen a potato ricer, it's like a giant garlic press from the old school, which uh, which is quite controversial, which I didn't really understand why. But anyway, we won't go into that. The idea is you cook your potatoes, you put it in the hopper, there's a thing that comes on top, and then you squeeze it together using your hand, and boom, out comes a pretty fine... Um, potato, so it's great for mashed potato. Yep, correct, exactly. It makes it so much easier, so it's limited to just potatoes and something similar. Yeah. Um, but saying that, yeah, like, um, it is quite handy, just saves you time, because if you're using the hackett or any sort of um, crushing, uh, mashing tool, it will take a bit longer. Oh, this and this one's, this one's got three, three yeah, different exactly. discs. Yeah. Oh, it, wow. So, exactly. So you have uh, fine, medium course, all three included. Yes. That way, it just depends on what you're making, you can change that around as well. If you were a French chef, you would say, no, we don't do that. We would pass it through a tammy or a drum sieve to make your pomme mousseline. But for me, mortals like you and I, I would say, yes. How much is this? Around about 30 uh, bucks? Yeah, about 30, under 30 something yeah. like that, yeah. But once again, we have a range of them, so there's different priced ones. All right, well, look, we're, Mohammed, we're running out of time. We might do a couple more. And, oh, hang on, that's my timer saying that the... Uh, sorry about that, folks. We're running a little bit out of time, so um, any other ones you want to bring up? Well, one last one, and I personally find this... Oh, you're going to advocate for this. You're big on this one. Yeah, yeah. It's a tiny little thing. It's called a jarkey. Yeah. Now, obviously... It looks like a bottle opener. It looks like Made a by Dinosaur Designs. Exactly. Something like that. It looks like a bottle opener, exactly. Now, a lot of us struggle to open a fresh pop seal can where it's airtight, mm. and we have a go at it with a screwdriver, which can be a little bit dangerous, if you, especially if you're using a knife... Um, and you can or if you've been drinking heavily or sedated, yes. Exactly. So um, this here just helps you just pop the seal. And once the seal's popped, you can open it. So it just makes it so much easier. And, um, I mean, the reason I love it so much is I bought one for my mum, and she loves it because she always uses a little screwdriver. And I've also seen, like, many customers just say, hey, this um, it's for people who sort of um, don't have the same uh, sort of oh, okay. mobility with their fingers, etc. This oh, just right. helps so much. All right, okay, you've, you, you've sold me on that. All right, so we've looked at um, all these things. If there was one that you could not deal with that, we've got about 20 things. Mohammed, I'm allowing you one. Which one are you going to take? Ooh, hard one. I would have to go with the microplane. It's a must-have because it just means that it'll save you so much time and effort. I'm going to pick the microplane too. And second prize, this is aspirational. I haven't got one. I've always wanted to have one, would be the Japanese mandolin. 
Yep, and my uh, would mine would be the salad spinner because I don't have one, and it's a must-have as well. So that's oh, come a, on, get one. You must be able to get a pretty good discount in here. Yeah, I just I probably don't eat enough salad for me to buy one, but then I should, ah. I should, because every time I have a salad, it's poorly made just because it's wet. So. Yeah, it'd be the salads of regrets, Muhammad. Stop the salad of regret. No, I actually I might actually buy one this week. <laughs> All right, you should get this one, Muhammad. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Chef's Hat, for uh, taking the time to have a chat with us. All right, and on that bombshell, it's back to the studio. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. It smells toasty in here. It does smell toasty in here, Nikki. And what a great honour it is that here I am, in back of house at Bellotta. Folks, you've heard Nikki speak many, many times before on the radio. Perhaps you've been lucky enough to have her food over the years. I'm, as I said before, I'm lucky enough to be in the kitchen with her. Hello, Nikki. Oh, hello, Chef. Oh, hello. Welcome to the service. It's great to see you. I tell you what, um, first of all, I've got to apologise to all the staff. We've turned off the fans for a bit. They're getting toasty warm. They're actually loving it because it's midwinter. No, no, they're, they're, they're sort of smiling through gritted <laughs> teeth, I think yes. would be the best way. Yes. So just to paint a picture, it's Friday. Uh, we've just uh, finished lunch we're service. Lunch. Yes, wrapping up a lovely lunch service. Oh, there's Sun some happy, happy looking people. Yeah, they're still, they're still looking sated, which is what I like to see. Yeah, well, hopefully maybe they order that third bottle of wine and make With people even happier. With any luck. Yeah. <laughs> a round of Calvados for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That'll bring up the spend. Um, but here, I, I, you've been kind enough to uh, for me just to lob up to the kitchen and say, can we do maybe a dish together? And you've pulled out something. What have you thought to do? Well, I love sardines. Mm. Perfect time of year to be enjoying sardines. Yes. As we know, we, winter, seafood, delicious. Yes. And these little gorgeous numbers are the Port Lincoln sardines that I love to buy from any fishmonger, mm. really. They come, you can get them whole with the heads, gut, with their guts in them and everything, or you can get them filleted. Beautiful little butterfly fillets. Yes. And they're ready to go. Now, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I first saw these quite a few years ago and I, I thought to myself, gee, I'm wondering if they got some sort of special machine at Port Lincoln or is this bods who are doing this by hand, do you reckon? I'm hoping and I'm thinking it's bods. I'm thinking yeah. it's some important little... Look, there could be a little machine that does the first part where it literally slits it in half yeah. and then they tidy up. Yeah, and but, then take out that backbone. Yeah, exactly. But look, sometimes there's tiny little bones in here still, but, you know, they're, they're almost dissolved in the mouth. Like, yeah. there's certainly nothing to be worried about. Don't you love all the clacker of the background of the no, plates? This, this, <laughs> is, this is all fine, but this, to me, yes. is A, ultimate convenience food. Oh, absolutely. And B, um, this is probably one of the more cheaper fish proteins that you can get, which actually has a halo effect on it. That's right. And I think... We all seem to feel that, oh, I've got to buy the big fillet, the big salmon, the big ocean trout or the snapper. Go see your bank manager, get King George Whiting. That's right. They're very expensive. We love them, but they do expensive. These are really well priced. Yes. And as I said, they're going to be super fast to cook. Yeah. And super easy to cook. And I like to add some things to it that's really going to bring out the flavours. All right. Let's uh, let's paint a little picture. So we've got what looks like um, it's a pizza tray, Chef, for yes. a, a small-sized pizza. Yes. We have one, two, three, four of these beautiful little sardine things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the potatoes? So I cook some kipler potatoes. Yes. And then I've just gently peeled them when they've just come off the heat so they're mm. not too hot to touch, obviously. They're like super thick 10-cent pieces, to yes. give you an idea. And we've got a little bit of virgin olive oil on there. And yes. you're going to pop those in the oven? For four minutes. All right, shall we? So I'll, we'll walk over there. All right, Three here we go. Going into the ovens. Now, nice hot oven. Yeah. We run our oven during service at a nice dry heat so that it is exert. What's the word I'm looking for? The oven has a system that it pulls out the moisture so it gives yeah. it like a crispiness. So if, if I'm putting my confit duck in here yes. and I'm making sure that I want my crispy skin on my confit duck to come out. Mm. So that's why I run the oven like mm. that during service. 200 degrees. 200 degrees. Uh, most uh, mere mortals uh, at home don't have to worry because they haven't got a combi steamer anyway. Exactly. So if they're doing it at home, um, but they might have a convection oven, I'd yes. still say run it probably a bit high, like 190. Yeah. I know that, but the thing is about having a nice hot oven, it's going to cook nice and quick. 
There's a lot of air moving around in there too. That's good. So, but yeah. and, and look, if you don't have a convection oven and it's a standard oven, mm. yeah, just have it nice and hot. Like if it, you you know your oven better than I do. So yeah. if it's at least 200 degrees. If you have a little timer at home, set your little timer for about four or five minutes, they'll be done. Your yeah. potatoes are already cooked, and yeah. all you're wanting to really do is warm them up. We're, we're flashing it. Exactly. We, we could say we're flashing it. So, yeah, and uh, the most important thing is a little bit of olive oil on the and top like of there. I like to use extra virgin olive oil with this particular dish because I'm not, I'm not cooking that olive oil in a pan where it has the potential to burn and be bitter and all that kind of thing. This is all about... Adding a bit of unctuousness to my potato, making sure my fish is nice and moist yeah. and that it's getting protected. So I'm still going to get that lovely fresh flavour from the extra virgin olive oil without it being too in the oven for too long and getting cooked and making it taste terrible. That the, uh, that the poor old olive oil can just yeah. get shocked. And look, olive oil isn't a bad thing, but at the same time, eh, it doesn't add anything to the dish. Whereas a lovely extra virgin olive oil in an oven for a few minutes is going to be delicious. I can see it changing already. You can see a bit of colour happening. You can see the little yeah. fillet, the edges. These snappers, are, these snappers. These, these little guys. I've been grabbing snapper all day. So. Yes, I can see them. Oh, oh, next to the combi oven are these little red snapper. What are they? Red? What are those? Little baby red snappers. Red snappers. Yes, I've yeah. been filleting all morning. What's going to happen to those? I'm actually going to do old school, almost like fancy pants fish and chips tonight. A special I'm putting on tonight. I'm going to crumb them in a mix that we make. Our crumb mix has like dried oregano, a little bit of lemon zest, actually has parmesan in there as well. So I'm going to crumb the fish in that, serve a little bit of pickled zucchini and maybe a little harissa aioli. Fancy pants fish and chips. Fancy pants sounds Fancy good. Pans. No, that sounds chips on the side. really, really, really lovely. In fact, that reminds me, um, living in East St Kilda, uh, as I did for many, many years, yes. uh, I got exposed to the joys of the Jewish schnitzel. Oh. And the Jewish schnitzel is all about the breadcrumbs, yeah. but heaps of um, herbs. Oh, yes. Lots of parmesan. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a salt hit. Oh. It makes it so much better. And the crust makes it makes Thank the crust you. really good. Very nice. Mm. Now, I reckon we've probably been talking for long enough. Yeah, it's bubbling around the sides and now. I think that's looking delicious. And it's bubbling on the top, and yeah. it looks like that skin's done crisp yep. up. Yeah, And even if it doesn't crispen up, that's fine as well. Because yes. all we want to see is cooked fish. And yeah. sardines, this thin, at that temperature, are like... Snap. Yeah. No, snap. We did yeah, that to have to give it. Oh, wow, <laughs> we, didn't even, we didn't even practice. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's pop right. the oven open. Whoa, listen to that. There you bit, go. A bit of heat. A little puffy. Yeah, all right, they're being out. Listen to that. You can... Oh, there we go. I got that. We could hear it sizzling. Yes. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Yep. Lovely. What we're going to do... Yes. I've made this beforehand, so I love this relish. So, Like a tapenade? Yeah, almost. It's, yeah. it's essentially currants, golden raisins, anchovy, chili, a little bit of garlic. There's orange juice, fresh orange juice. No olives. Of them. No olives, so it yeah, looks right. like it. But we And capers, and we call it our raisin caper relish. Can you go through those ingredients again, just, just for us? So currants, currants. golden... Raisins. Golden sorry, raisins. Sorry, say that again. Yeah, golden raisins. Yeah, yeah, right. yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, Capers, anchovy, a little bit of red chilli, yes. some parsley, and there's also garlic, fresh orange juice, and extra virgin olive oil. Fresh orange juice. There's the spooky Ooh, ingredient. And uh, a little bit of red wine vinegar. Right, and then that's just all blitzed up. Gives, gives it a little bit of piquancy. Yeah, and we're just... Um, so this kind of thing is fantastic with sardines. Because it's got the sweetness and the acid, which is what you want. There's Absolutely. a little smear that's gone onto a round plate. So I'm going to pop our little just-cooked sardines. Yes. And we're just sort of, you know, popping mm. them on. We want them on the relish. The relish is going to sort of come into the fish from underneath. Yeah. So a skin side up. Yeah. Now, just before I pop my potatoes on the tray, I'm sort of just giving them a bit of a roll around in the juices of the sardines and the extra virgin olive oil that's on my tray. From it's making them, them shine, Chef. Making them look stunning. Yeah, totally. Cleaning totally. up my little bit of mess here yes. as I'm plating. Yep. Professional. Now I'm going to finish it off. This is what we call a hazelnut piccata. A bit like the Italians have pangrattato. They yes. love a crunchy crumb garlic anchovy thing to add to their food. This is a more of a Spanish style where it so it has nuts instead of things like the well, essentially instead of the anchovy. Yep. So we've got toasted hazelnut, um, sourdough, stale sourdough that I've toasted up and then crunched it up all together. How do you crunch up the sourdough? I literally use my it? Robocoop. 
Oh, okay. Just give or, it to yeah, or a give it to the or processor. High powered blend. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've but had... you don't you don't want it too fine. You want to have bits of grilled. It's, yeah, because you want to be able to see you know chunky bits. And I'm going to eat in front of you. Yep. So crunchy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Can you hear that? Um, that's, that's Nikki doing the crunch. <laughs> That's a delicious sounding mix. It has a little bit of espalade, pimento espalade in here. Yeah. And that just gives it a tiny little, tiny little bit of heat. Not and espalade are those uptown Basque pepper mixture. That's right. Yeah. And we love it. And now... Snow pea tendrils. Um, this actually, it's watercress. The water, oh, this is watercress. Cam, slap. And we just... <laughs> you're okay, chef. I won't tell the head chef. <laughs> She's not listening. Yeah, God. Um, it's like calling in Granny, Granny Smith apple a peach. <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway, go on. Just a few little leaves. And that just adds to some freshness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look Look at our kitchen humour. We love hey. it. And a little bit of extra virgin olive oil just to bring it all together. Yes. But it's a simple, simple dish. Now, okay, at home you might not want to make a hazelnut piccata. Mm. So what you might do is just toast up some hazelnuts and crushed hazelnuts. That's it. Yes. Really lovely with some sardines. Now, if you don't want to necessarily hazelnuts make well. a raisin caper relish. Yes. Um... A really nice tapenade. I was going to say tapenade would be would awesome be on that. Just yeah, perfect. Yes. So tapenade, sardines, kipler potatoes, crushed mm. hazelnuts. You're done. Aioli. Aioli would work as yeah, well. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah, nice big. That'd work, lemon. but then you want something crunchy to go with it, otherwise, because yeah. there's too much fat, otherwise. Yeah, and it's about yeah. it's about mouthfeel. You know, like mm. I, I want that really lovely flavour of a nice relish with lots of punchiness into it, like from the vinegars and the currants and the raisins. It gives a really good, Yum. almost. Um, zinginess on the palate. Yes. Then I've got my lovely oily fish and my creamy potato and a bit of crunch with the piccata. So it's sort of doing it all, hopefully. It sounds good. What else can you do with these sardines? Another thing I like to do, this is really cheeky, but it's yeah. but is pickle them. Oh, right. I'm a, you know I'm a pickler yeah, from way back. Yes. So I like to make... Whatever my favourite pickle mix is, yes. I might add some shallots and some fresh chilli to it and then lay all my sardines in that, leave it overnight. Yes. And then that's great in a salad, mm. nice winter salad with things like Whitloff and cos leaves Ooh, and things yeah. like that. Yes. Um, the other thing is crumb them and pan fry. Yes. Really delicious. That's nice, yeah. You don't want to use a crumb, even just a little bit of semolina yeah. or polenta. Or polenta for that little bit, bit of extra cr- yeah. back to the crunch yeah. texture. And again, yeah. if it, when I do that, I like it just with a simple aioli and a piece of lemon. Mm. That's all I do with the sardine then. Do you know, I remember a million years ago when we were still eating a lot of skippy pasta, you oh, know. Yes, yes. Um, and I remember now, I'm seeing. I'm Italian chef in here today, so we can't talk to you about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we, we, were, we weren't eating pasta well, but I remember one of the first dry pasta dishes I had yep. was this thing evocatively called the earth, the sun, and the sea. Oh, wow. And I remember going, mm, this sounds a bit wanky. And the guy yep. goes, no, it's valid. And it was. Linguini. Yes. With garlic. Oh, yes. Chili. Yep. Sardines. sardines. Yeah, perfect. And and I remember it was so profound, and that was so easy because yeah. it's a bit of timing to get that right in the pan. Yeah. But, um, but when you do, and the other thing I used to sometimes do with sardine and pasta mm. is also with a little bit of sugo and currants and pine nuts. That's a very Sicilian thing to do. Yeah, southern Mediterranean, because so, yeah. it's getting that Moorish influence, Absolutely. the fruit. Yeah. Because the Greeks would never think of something like that, would oh, they? Oh, gosh, no. No. <laughs> Just a lemon. No, yeah. stop. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And where's the lamb? No, yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, essentially in a pasta, we often put it on as a special and we often do it with spaghettini. Yes. But, you know, just that really slurpy. And then you get that gorgeous fishy chilli tomato. It's yum. Oh, yum. Okay, well, look, um, I, we've got to turn these fans on and save your chefs here in, in a sec. Yes. Um, but there's just one more question I want to ask, seeing that I'm here. And haven't... Oh, that looks good, pom puree. Yes, um, <laughs> getting distracted. It's like, oh, squirrel, pom puree. Oh, dinner. Um, pick of the market for you. What's, what's great at the market at the moment? Uh, truffles. Yeah. Got to say, the truffles. Like, literally, um, I often go to South Melbourne Market and Georgie, and, yeah, she gets some great truffles there. Yes. But also, even... There's so many places selling good truffles now. I'm very lucky as a chef, I get to source them through some particular people who go to the growers. The truffles come to me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I go to so, the truffle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes to me. It comes to me. That's right. Yeah. And we love them. We love them. Yes. So, got to work out a new special with those for tonight. But, uh, yeah, got some beautiful ones in this morning. Really? Any idea what you're going to do? I'm thinking. 
you're going to laugh at this, but I've made some little venison pies. They're like a little venison pativier, so puff pastry. Oh, pativier, yeah, okay, it's yeah. It's got some gorgeous venison inside that, and I was thinking I might just do a little brazy Brussels sprout, Brussels sprout, sprout number yeah. underneath, and lots of shaved truffle. Well, that sounds good, because um, the great thing is that because we've had these frosts, mm. it's gotten really cold. The Brussels sprouts will be really, really sweet now. Absolutely, and that's sweet, and then we've got that gorgeous, earthy nuttiness of the truffle, yeah. and then you're going to have that naughty sort of venison pie. So could be a goer, I'm hoping. And because you're next to the Prince Wine Story and you know everything about matching mm-hmm. food and wine now with oh. these years of what you do, what would you yes. match it with? That particular number, maybe a little Northern Rhone, a oh. nice red. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I have no reference for that, which is a terrible thing. <laughs> I, I need to broaden out my thing. A northern, what's a northern well, Rome? Well, you've got to go next door. A good something. Oh, service bell. That Hello, means food's on the path. Well, that looks good. Thank you, Chef. Um, oh, that's that bit of wagyu so that we saw on there before. Using a grape, the Syrah grape, so it's really yeah. juicy red. And so, and some of them, they've also, some of their other styles can be quite dry on the palate, so you'll have a lot going on with the food mm. that's kind of fatty, so you want that sort of crunchy. Yeah. Well, and that's, a, that's as well. and that's what Italian wines are the yep. very best at. They are. They are. Yes, yes. And right. the Frenchies. And the Frenchies. All right. Um, I'm going to get out of your kitchen and I'm going to say, it's been a delight to see you. I haven't seen you in I so know. long. I know. I have to see you more often. These well, call-ins on the radio aren't the same. No, it's not the same. They're not the same as being back of house and everyone looking at me going, can you get out so we can turn <laughs> the fans on? Do you want the fans on, guys? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here and I'll let you do that. Nikki, thank you. Thank you, Chef. Thank you, team. And uh, and may your uh, dinner service tonight be uneventful. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I like it. That's good. Okay. See ya. Bye. Thanks, Nikki. Uh, always <laughs> so good to catch up with that woman. Boy, she can cook. Yes. One of my faves. I'm lucky enough just to live around the corner. So we go there a little bit too often, Bellotta, in South Melbourne. If you uh, if you can travel, check it out. It's good. Yeah, I hear there's a, there's a pretty good bottle shop attached to it as well as uh, on, the, on the down low. Hey, um, Still Here is going to be on very, very shortly, as well as yes. all the other wonderful, wonderful programs that will be coming to you this afternoon in the glorious Triple uh, FM. Uh, stay tuned. Please stick around. Next week we'll be back to sort of normal too. We'll be back in the studio. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. It'll be good to see your, your smiling face mm-hmm. and uh, be able to talk to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, in the meantime... Everybody, uh, stay strong. Yes. Stay, <laughs> stay <safe>. well. <laughs> stay safe. And uh, we love you all. Thanks, folks. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 